amen and amen. If I were to choose a title for this morning's sermon, listen to me, it would simply be this. Two words, The Bachelor. Because now Xerxes, who is the king of Persia, uh, an empire that extends and covers 127 provinces. It stretches from the Far East, India, all the way to East Africa, Kush, or what we know as modern day Ethiopia. At the epicenter of this vast empire is the citadel or the capital of these 127 provinces, Shushan. Hence the real housewives of Shushan. Because uh, Xerxes now is coming off of a six month long turn up. He decided he wanted to celebrate his third year as, as emperor, as king, and for six months they celebrated. And then he did a seven day banquet in Shushan where everybody was invited. And the scripture says that the royal wine flowed freely. You know the story? He sends for his wife, uh, Vashti, the queen. Uh, she declines. Uh, he's upset. He asks his boys what he should do. His boys say, banish her. Deal with it swiftly and deal with it decisively. And so now Vashti, who had once been queen, is now banished from the empire. Listen to me. We put a lot of stock in things that have an expiration date and a shelf life. And that quickly, she goes from being the wife of the most powerful man on earth to being banished from the entire kingdom. I wonder what Vashti's life would have looked like on Oprah's Where Are They Now? Because now she got no friends to speak of. The girls that she was so busy entertaining now can't even talk to her. Because their husbands are saying, you better not get no ideas from Vashti and disrespect me under my roof. So now they're not returning text messages. Now they're not returning phone calls. And in one emotion-led decision, she loses everything. I'm talking about the seeds of self-sabotage. The problems we create for ourselves, And all of a sudden, Instead of looking at the man in the mirror, it's like, God, why'd you do this to me? No, God ain't got nothing to do with that. You did that all by yourself. So the narrative picks up here in Exodus, Exodus, Esther chapter 2. And now the most powerful man on earth is a bachelor. Now, uh, just by show of hands. How many of you actually would admit that you watched The Bachelor? Listen to me. Oh, I saw one guy all the way in the back put his hand up. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Listen to me. I know that there's more of y'all in this room. Oh, you know what? Let me, let me qualify that that watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. <laughs> Only one? Come on now. I, I know. Come on now. Tell the truth. Shame the devil, Converge Church. 
I know y'all be watching it with tears in your eyes. In fact, I, oh, that's one more head right there. I see one head like this. And y'all don't only watch it and enjoy it. Y'all got your favorite one y'all be rooting for too. That you hope gets the rose. Is that what they give him a rose at the end? Oh, a rose and a pull. I don't know nothing about no bachelor. What, what, don't, don't, why y'all projected on me? Y'all don't be projected on pastor. She said a rose and a proposal. That's what she said, a rose and a proposal. I think that's what happens. I, I don't know nothing about no bachelor. Tell the truth. Well, maybe one season. First season. Maybe. No. I actually just wanted to spend quality time with Pastor Wendy. That's what it was. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Okay. Let me bring it back in. The Bachelor. The Bachelor Bible Edition. Beginning at verse 1 of Esther chapter 2. You can follow along on the screens. Uh, for those of you who are students of the word, uh, just indulge me. Just the turning of pages. I know we're living a very technologically advanced age, but I saw my boy Bruce last week. Come on, I see, I see. Check him out. He, Bruce be bringing the family Bible to church. You know that big one that sit on the coffee table? Check it out, man. Check it out right there. Bruce, Bruce huh? Oh, this the small one? Wow. I can read the pages from here. That's the small one. All right. If you have, indulge me and just turn the pages with me. Adjust that sound, Esther. Oh, ooh, listen to that. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's music to my ears. Esther chapter 2, uh, beginning at verse number 1. It says, after these things. Aren't you glad we serve a God who is more than just the God of the second chance? Because if he were only the God of the second chance, everybody in this room would be disqualified. He's a God of new beginnings. He's a God who gives us a fresh start. And just in case you were uncertain how often he does it, the scripture says his mercies are new every morning. I don't know where you've been. I don't know where your life has taken you, your choices and decisions, but there is always an after these things. And Xerxes finds himself in this place where he's uh, considering his decisions and what it has produced. Listen to what the scripture says in verse 1. It says, after these things, look, notice what happened. After the wrath of Xerxes subsided. Here it is again. It is a recurring theme throughout scripture. <laughs> after his emotions settled, then now he has clarity. How many of you realize that you can't have clarity and have emotions run amok simultaneously? Because when you allow your emotions to lead, your rationale takes back seat. And now after he's, or the liquor has cleared out, after everybody's left the citadel, after everybody has left the party, he's lying in his castle, his palace, whatever he lived in, and there's an empty bed. And all of a sudden, 
after his emotions have settled, he remembers Vashti. Hold up, this is the same woman you banished. And now all of a sudden his heart is longing for the woman whose life he has now destroyed. Because isn't it, there's no coming back from the law of the Persians and the Medes. It is a law that cannot be altered, it cannot be changed. So there is no peaches and herb reunited for Vashti. It's a wrap. Listen to me. Dale Carnegie said it this way. He said, dealing with people is like mining for gold. He says, you have to move tons of dirt just to get to one ounce of gold. But don't stop looking for the gold. The problem with most of us is with our interactions with people. Like, man, I thought I was going to find some, a little trickle of gold by now. All I keep scooping up is more and more dirt, more and more dirt, more and more dirt. But the truth is, if we're going to have healthy relationships, you're going to deal with some dirt before you get to the gold. And so now Xerxes is considering the gold that he's lost. Listen to me, I don't care how, how painful, how turbulent the relationship was, it wasn't all bad. And so my wife and I have this rule that even in conflict, you know where we start? We start with our what is true list. I know you're tripping right now, but this is what I know is true about you. I know I'm emotional right now, but my emotions don't have a brain. I got to go to my what is true list right now. Listen, here's the second rule. When we have conflict in our house, we always remember the good. Remembering the good is seeing the gold. Even though you just dug up tons of dirt. And now here's Xerxes laying in his bed. Now that his mind is clear and he's not just remembering Vashti, he's longing for her. You know what the scripture says in Proverbs? It says a man who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city without walls, susceptible to attack. Listen to me. If you cannot control your emotions, the Bible, not Ray Harmon, says you are fair game for the enemy 24-7. It says you are like a city that has no defense. And the enemy can come in whenever, however, with whomever he desires and wreak havoc. And sometimes he'll use the people closest to you. Can I just, can I just clarify that for a second? Just because they're family doesn't mean they safe. Okay. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, I'm going somewhere with this. So the scripture says that he remembered Vashti, what she had done, and what had been decreed against her. Listen to me. This is not just a fleeting thought. 
He's thinking about Vashti. He's thinking about what she did. And he's thinking about what he decreed against her. The weight of his decision is weighing down on him. For those of us who are so adamant about making decisions that are irreversible. Who are, uh, who enjoy writing people off permanently. He remembered what had been decreed against her. Every time I read the story, I keep going back to Harry and Meghan. Because for Harry and Meghan, and I believe specifically for Harry, his struggle was living in the shadow of what had been done to his mother. And he says, look, y'all, y'all can take this kingdom and this royal title, but I'm going to live happily ever after with my wife. And my wife and I are not going to be like my mama, Diana, who suffered in silence. So if that's what this foolishness is about and you can't accept me and my wife for who we are, I'm going to chuck up the deuces and I'm going to bounce out of here. Because there's so much more to life than just a royal title. Ah, all appearances. Now you know the heart of what's going on behind closed doors. Because of the petty response. Give us back the $3 million that we used to renovate your cottage. That's royal money. And if you're not going to toll the family line, you're going to have none of what belongs to us. In fact, if you don't do what we ask you to do, we're going to strip you of your royal title. And in his first interview, this is what Harry said. I didn't know it would come to this, but our decision was very thoughtful and deliberate. When you talk to family about what you need and they get petty, it catches you off guard. But he's saying in spite of all they've done, in fact, I saw an article where they said Canada can't give them any royal money because, again, Canada is part of the Commonwealth and all of that. So they're trying to start their lives over. And the pettiness from their own family. His grandmama Not just his grandmama, his older brother, who went through the struggles of losing their mother together, has abandoned him. Just because they're family doesn't mean they're safe. Doesn't mean they're safe. If Joseph's own brothers could throw him into a pit. I'm talking, I'm talking about the decisions, the choices we make that sabotage God's purpose for our lives. Let me tell you Xerxes' problem. 
Number one, he was more emotional than rational. And let me talk to the men for a second. The most of the two genders, well, we used to say two genders. Of the two genders that God designed and created, I would venture to say that men are the more emotional variety. I heard somebody say, true. <laughs> Listen to me. But we don't say we hurt. We say we angry. Because our ego is, our emotions are driven by our ego. And most of us have egos the size of Everest. And the problem with that is, you will go through life dealing with your Lord Farquaad syndrome. You're in charge of the whole kingdom, but you laid in your bed with your hairy chest. <laughs> For those of y'all who remember Shrek, didn't Lord Farquaad, wasn't he in his bed with a mirror? trying to console himself it's a painful thing it's a painful thing it's a painful thing being a man with a title hmm? but with a tiny self-image and our problem men is the thing that causes our, us to self-sabotage our purpose is often our emotions that we haven't learned to manage. Your emotions exist for you to listen to, not for them to lead. So here's Xerxes, the most powerful man on earth. And the thing that's driving his decision is his emotions. Not only that, look at verse two. <laughs> it says, then the king's servants who attended him said, Man, we feel your pain. You haven't been the same since Vashti left. Oh, let me rephrase that. Since you banished Vashti. So let's fix this for you. And this is what we're going to do. Here's the master plan. Let beautiful young virgins... Why y'all laughing? I didn't even finish reading <laughs> Listen to me. It's not the answer, right? But that's what the word tells us. Doc, you are the most powerful man on earth. Why are you tripping over Vashti? You know how many women lining up right now? that already went through the audition process for The Bachelor just to meet you and you here sulking about what you can't change? Man, let's 
fix this right now. Listen, we're not just going to find you one wife. But look, we're going to give this instruction, and this, this decree is going to go throughout the whole kingdom. And then that's going to be one, one, one beautiful one. It says, let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. And let the king appoint officers in the provinces of his kingdom, and this is what they're going to do, that they may gather, listen, that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan, the citadel, and they're going to put them in the women's quarters under the custody of the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women. Listen to me. How big was his kingdom? Let me, let me just read it. From India to Ethiopia. And we're going to get beautiful women from India to Ethiopia. To fill the void that Vashti left. Listen to me. If we're not careful, if we're not careful and we don't manage our pain and emotions properly, we will revert to excess. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Because he hasn't dealt with the pain of losing Vashti now, the response is excess. So he's not only emotional, irrational. Can I just tell you something else about him? Can I just tell you something else about him? He's powerful, but he's impressionable. This ain't the first time we've seen this. The first time we saw this was when one of his advisors came to him and said, look, this girl tripping. You better deal with her now. And the most powerful man in the earth, on earth. Okay, that's a good idea. Let's do it. Isn't that what the Bible said? Here's the next thing. He's in his room sulking. Lord Farquaad got all the power in the world and can't even make an intelligent decision on your own. So they come to him and say, you know what? Here's the deal. And this is where we mess up, y'all. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is where we mess up. Instead of dealing with our pain, we medicate our pain. You can't fix something that needs surgery with a steroid shot. Are y'all with me? And so because he doesn't deal with his pain, he reverts to excess. And he listens to the advice again without even thinking it through. They said, look, let's just bring all these women and medicate your pain. And that's going to make it go away. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? And it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. I'm talking about the decision that, listen to me, I was praying about this message, and I don't know why I thought about this, but I said I'm going to talk about it this morning. Y'all know how we say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, that's a problem. Because mama's inability to manage her emotions Shouldn't cause me to be unhappy. Shouldn't cause me to surrender my joy. Mama, fix your emotions. Don't let cause everybody in the house to walk on eggshells because you live in an emotion-driven life. No, fix your emotion. Don't 
don't drag me in the pit with you. I'm going to let you be as unhappy as you choose to be. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be my happy self. I'm going to let you deal with yourself. And we have normalized that kind of behavior. Your wife get mad, you and the children walking around eggshells. Walking around the house whispering? Scared to talk. And we normalize an emotion-driven life. And now the whole world got to stop to appease you. The whole world got to get in the pit with you. Every guy got to be sad just because you sad. The devil is a lie. No, when you deal with whatever is making you mad, then you're going to come out of hibernation or whatever it is you're doing and return to normalcy. I'm talking about the decisions that sabotage our purpose. I'm talking about decisions that sabotage our relationships. Man, I'm just in verse 2. Verse 3. Ain't no difference between 2 and 3. Why y'all rushing me? (laughs) All right, what was I saying? He was more emotional than rational. Can can I, can I? I got to say this. Your avoidance of conflict doesn't make it go away. Oh, it's still going to be there. And it's going to show up three weeks down the road. And you're going to say, where did that come from? I'm talking about men in this room who last week were afraid to say dilly dilly. No, I went back. That bothered me. It bugged me. Let me tell you why it bothered me. Let me tell you why it bothered me. Let me tell you why it bothered me. I ain't going to tell you why it bothered me. Listen, listen, listen. Even though it was in jest, the reason I said it was to make a simple point. That even the the spirit in which these men said these things, there was still some truth to what they said, that the men should be the leader in their homes. And I said, all the men who agree say dilly dilly. If you're afraid to be the leader in your home, because it might inspire, it might stir up an emotion-driven response from your wife, you could be married to a Vashti. (laughs) I'll say it again. I did it on purpose. And I said it over and over again. And the only one who said anything was Travis because his wife wasn't here. Listen to me, y'all. There is something about leadership that requires that we address that kind of behavior. 
where I'm afraid to lead my family. And again, I'm not getting on the women, but just because my wife is going to have an emotional response. So now I'm going to abandon what God has called me to just because I don't want my wife to get my feelings to get hurt. No, lead and lead well. And when I say lead and lead well, lead your home so that an emotion-driven response is not normalized. Because it doesn't benefit anybody. It does not benefit anybody. Don't bother me. And so today, yeah, today, yeah, just to, just to get some relief. <laughs> there you go. Dilly dilly. Just to get some relief. I had to go back to the thing that brings me some of the greatest comfort. I went out. And I bought me a new pair of skinny jeans. And they're so skinny right now that my toes are tingling because they're so tight around my calves. Now, somebody trying, don't take no pictures. I said it to my wife. Somebody said, I need a picture. Pastor Wendy ain't here today. But I started to think about that. I'm going to wrap up the message in a second. Yeah, it, it, it helped me. Last night, I went and got some skinny jeans. And <laughs> driving home, I started to ask myself, why, Pastor Ray, why? No, like, for real. Like, why? Out of all these jeans, man, why, why? So, so I realized what it was. It was due to trauma at an early age. You see, my fascination with skinny jeans was actually inspired by Papi, my dad. Listen, long before skinny jeans were a thing, this is what I was driving home. Why am I talking about this? I don't even know. I just finished it. Okay. I needed relief. Growing up, man, my dad, smooth. This is late 70s, y'all. I still remember one particular outfit you had. It was baby blue. And it was polyester. Listen to me. It was fitted around the hips right up in here. And then bell bottom. And then he had a matching powder blue vest. Those pants was tight, though. <laughs> I mean, from waist to knee. <laughs> right. It was the style. 
And he had that vestment, but he, check it out. Here's what took it to the next level, man. He had this white. Anybody remember Tom Jones, the singer that had the, the big sleeve and he had the thing right here? He had one of those joints. And he would put it on with the, that blue pants and that vest. But the shirt was white, but he took it to a whole nother level, y'all. It wasn't just white. It was lace, so it was see-through. I'm talking about my inspiration. The story behind these jeans. Listen. And if that shirt had four buttons. At least three were unbuttoned. You remember that, Pops? He will neither confirm nor deny. And he had that medallion. He had that afro with the sideburns. Pape was straight off the cover of an OJ's album. Listen to me. <laughs> and Pape could dance too, man. Yeah, Pape would come out there with that, that powder blue uh, vest and then polyester pants. And he had this move. I, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Listen, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Prince got that move from him. <laughs> Papa would come out with his platforms and he'd be like, here's the sweet one. Here's the... <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Shoo! It's the sweet one. All right, I'm supposed to be preaching, no? All right, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up. He was powerful, but impressionable. The third thing we find out about Xerxes is, what, is that he was a public success but a private failure. He ruled a vast kingdom, but couldn't manage his own home. I'm talking about, I'm talking about being Superman in the marketplace and coming home and all you are is Clark Kent. Solving the world's problems, but ain't got nothing for Lois Lane. How you know how to solve these million dollar problems for everybody else? And you get to the crib and you're like, I don't know. That's Xerxes. That is Xerxes. Now, uh, man. How do I say this? I can't say anything else, because if I say anything else, we're going to be here for another hour. But this is what I'm going to say. This is what I have to say. Depending on which commentator you read, it gives us and it sheds light 
on the depth of what Xerxes is doing. And I'll just, uh, or where he is, or where he is. How do I say this quickly? Again, I think sometimes we read the text, we read scripture, and we miss the weight and the significance of what is happening in the text. But he heeds the instruction of his advisors, and they do this nationwide beauty pageant. And it said, bring all the beautiful virgins from every province, 127 provinces, bring all the beautiful women, bring them into the women's quarters, and this is what's going to happen. Because again, this was Persian law. For one year, these women had to go undergo spa treatments. Before they could even step to Xerxes, <laughs> they had to go through one year of spa treatments. The first six months, oil and myrrh. And the next six months, beauty preparation. I can see some of the women like, oh, I could, I could take that. We're going to talk about this next week and how it applies to Esther. But listen to me. Listen to me. I just want to say something. I just want to say something. I've got to say this before I close because we're talking about Xerxes today. But, but notice chapter 2 and verse 16. Listen to chapter, look, look at verse two and verse six, uh, chapter 2 and verse 16. And I'll back this thing up next week and talk about all the verses in between, but now we're in verse 16. We're jumping from verse three to verse 16. So it says, so Esther was taken to Xerxes into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tibeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Listen to me, this is important, we can't miss this. Xerxes' episode with Vashti happened when? In the third year of his reign. It's four years later before he even meets Esther. He's been having one-night stands, y'all, for four years trying to fill the void in his heart. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? That's why Kirk Franklin said, uh, man, I don't remember what he said. It was good, though. <laughs> Pray that it'll come back to me. Oh, here it is. Somebody prayed in that moment. The Lord heard you. Kirk Franklin said, we delay God's healing process when we self-medicate. Listen to me. For four years, he tried to fill that void. And maybe in your life is not a beauty pageant. Maybe it's not the most beautiful women from across the kingdom. But what's the void you're trying to fill that leaves you empty every single time. 
every single time. For Xerxes, it was four years. With the most beautiful women in the kingdom and still came up empty. Next week, y'all, we're going to talk about Esther. Because I really believe that's where the Lord wants for us to land. But I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray for us. Hmm? So that we'll do the hard work of, allow, of allowing the Lord to help us address the things that sometimes cause self-sabotage. God wants only the best. He wants only the best for us. But if we're not careful, we will allow our emotions to lead. And we'll miss what God wants to do. I got to say this. I've got to say this. I've got to say this. How do I say it? I don't even know how to say it. I believe one of the things that the Lord really wants to do this year, man, beyond anything superficial, right? Because God's going to do some amazing things this year for us, for our church, for us collectively, for us individually. Beyond anything material, even beyond anything financial that the Lord will do, I think God just wants you. I think God just wants you. And more than Xerxes finding another wife, I think God wanted to heal what was wrong in Xerxes. It's a big deal, man. I've got to say this. I don't have Pastor Wendy's permission, but I won't say it anyway. Because I know it will bless you. I know it will bless you. I read, I read a quote on Twitter the other day from a, a young lady uh, named uh, Jackie Hill Perry. Jackie Hill Perry. And this is what Jackie said. She said, your body will carry stress that your mind can't even name. Your body can carry stress that your mind can't even name. And sometimes you're going through life and your response is just what it is. And it's like, where is this coming from? Listen to me. There are things that can linger and can just... Um, lodge themselves, y'all, in your psyche and even in your body. In fact, research is showing that most of the diseases that people have are related to toxic emotions. That it originates not just in something physical, but it's actually driven by unhealthy emotions. And so even now, there are therapists, there are therapists, psychologists who, who recommend. This is what they recommend. They sit down with you in a session, and then they assign you for you to go and do body work. Hold up. You mean I can't just talk this problem away? No, they assign body work. 
so that somebody sits with you and they massage you and get that stuff that your body is carrying that you didn't even know was influencing your behavior. It's a big deal. I'm talking about the things that we carry and don't allow God to heal that become seeds of self-sabotage. So before, before we fake the funk and try to fill the void with a beauty pageant. Maybe God wants to get to the root of the issue, Xerxes. Because replacing Vashti with more of the same, replacing a beautiful woman with hundreds of beautiful women may not be the healing you need. And everybody in this room has their drug of choice. It may not be what Xerxes liked. Sometimes anger can be a drug in and of itself. So this morning, I'll ask the team to come. We're going to pray as we're dismissed. Is that all right? This year, in 2020, God wants to give us uncommon clarity. And part of the clarity he wants to give us is to bring us to a place where we can truly heal from what's been hurting us. Because if we don't heal from what's been hurting us, we're bound to hurt other people. And we're going to make decisions and choices that are irreversible. So God wants to get to the heart of it this year. And I stand in front of you and I ain't exempt from it. I ain't exempt from it. But we serve a God who is a healer. And we serve a God who can still show up in our lives after these things. After these things. Let's pray. Can we do that? This is a holy moment. I sense the spirit of God. I sense the presence of God in the room this morning. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name.